0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning, he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him. And he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And In response, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she replied, No, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: There are many ways in which you and I differ from the angels. One of them is in the manner in which we communicate. You and I have to use symbols. That's what language is. there are symbols. Words are symbols. And words mean something to us. Words can lift us up into ecstasy or drive us down into sadness and depression. There are certain times in life when we need to hear certain words. If someone, for instance, is in love, they don't want to simply know it. They want to hear it. They want the words, I love you. Knowledge isn't sufficient. That's true with perhaps success. We have succeeded. We want someone to tell us that we have been successful. It's true also with forgiveness. If we are forgiven, we want to be told that we are forgiven. It isn't sufficient simply to know that we have been forgiven. Today's gospel is a gospel about forgiveness, obviously. Our Lord has been to the Mount of Olives, where he often went to be alone, sometimes praying for the whole night in union with the Father. And he comes down to the temple area, and the scribes and the Pharisees are very anxious to find some way to discredit him, either to the people or to the Roman government. So they bring him this woman who is without a name. She's only mentioned in the Gospel of St. John. It's interesting that St. Luke And his gospel, which is often called the woman's gospel, never mentions this. They bring him this woman who was caught in adultery. You know, in the early church, there were three sins in particular that demanded public penance. Willful murder, adultery, and apostasy, denying the faith. It's strange, isn't it, how in our world, those things don't seem to have much meaning at all, much less be a cause for public penance. You might say, well, murder is still considered something that is uh, evil. Well, yes, except in the womb, uh, where it isn't. Uh, Willful murder is not such an unusual thing in our world. In fact, we've become accustomed to it. Adultery, well, people do what people do. That's just the way they are. And apostasy, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe anyway, as long as you're sincere. But, of course, in the Mosaic Law, adultery was a cause for being stoned. There's no doubt about her guilt. That's not the question here. She's guilty. She's been caught in the very act. It isn't simply a matter of rumor. And so they bring her to him, and they test him. Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? If he says don't stone her, they can go to the people and say that he is rejecting the Mosaic law and discredit him. If he says, yes, stone her, they can go to the Romans and say that he is uh, disobeying Roman law because only the Romans could uh, pronounce a sentence of death, as we know from the Passion. When Pilate says to them, take him yourself and crucify him. And they say, we are not allowed to put anyone to death. So what will he do? What our Lord does is something so simple and yet so extraordinary. Remember, when we hear these Gospels, we have got to see them from the inside and not just from the outside. You and I are part of the Gospel. And he he bent down and begins to write on the ground. The Gospel doesn't tell us what he was writing. We don't know that. And they continue to ask him. And he continues to write on the ground. It is generally considered that what he was writing were the sins of the people around him. Those who were there to stone her. Murder, adultery, greed, whatever it might be. Blasphemy. He knew the sins of those people who were there, so he writes on the ground. And then they press him. Uh, And finally he stands up and makes that statement that goes down through history. Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he continues to write on the ground again. Now, the result of this is that they begin to go away, one by one, we are told, beginning with the elders. Those who were older were more aware of their sins than the younger, as is so often the case. Uh, they became more aware of their own lives as they became older. and Now they are aware of the sinfulness because our Lord is writing it down in front of them and they have to face it. The younger, again, they think they're quite wonderful still. But as they begin to realize it, they too begin to go away until no one is left. Notice that. No one is left. They're all left except the Lord and the woman and they are alone. As we all are with the Lord in the end, one-on-one with him. We may try to pretend that we aren't. We may try to, dis- to discourage that concept but we are one-on-one with him. And we can't lie when we're with him. Oh, I suppose we can. We can even lie to ourselves sometimes. We try to lie to him, but we can't. Uh, And so our Lord then speaks to her by way of a question. Woman, where are they? Where are they? She doesn't answer that question. Has no one condemned you? Has no one condemned you? She does answer that. No one, sir. His response, then, is really extraordinary. This woman, not very few moments before, was about to die, to be stoned to death. And now she's alone with the Lord, waiting for his verdict, as you and I wait for it. Neither do I condemn you. Go, but notice he doesn't brush it aside as being unimportant. He recognizes the sin for what it is, recognizes our sins for what they are. Know and f- go, <clears throat> and from now on, do not sin anymore. She's had a dramatic experience. Not just forgiveness, but in a dramatic context. As I said, she was about to die. All of a sudden, she's there all by herself, and no one has condemned her, including the Lord. She's now told to go and sin no more. Now, I suspect we get the impression from the Gospel but because of the dramatic nature of her uh, we should say salvation, that her, her conversion was also dramatic. wouldn't you think so? Having been saved from the anger of the crowd and from the mosaic law, she now is a completely reformed woman. Her life is radically different and will be from now on, because of the nature of the event. You and I, however uh, generally speaking, don't see sin in the same way that she did because we don't see the consequences in the same way that she did. You know, it's, it was said that uh, what, what's true of ordinary life is true of the spiritual life, too. And I forget who said it, but it was that some men uh, die in battle, others go down in flames, but most men perish inch by inch in play and little game. And we do. We don't pay much attention to our sins. We just sort of wander through life without seeing the need for real conversion. And yet that's what she was called to as we are called to it. As I said, her life now will be a very different life. Uh, does she appear again? Well, uh, no. Although people associate this woman as they do with the woman who anointed our Lord's feet sometimes as Mary Magdalene. Well, we aren't told that. This is just a woman who appeared once. And then disappears uh, and is never heard from again because she is there for a purpose. Now, our Lord comes to us with forgiveness. How many times have we been forgiven? But not quite like this woman, have we? And so we don't take it very seriously. Uh, but remember, what she doesn't know at this moment, but you and I do, is what the price of that forgiveness was. The price of that forgiveness is the cross. That's the price paid for us to be forgiven by him. We forget that, too, because it all seems so simple. You know, there was a um, a French writer, a convert to the church, by the name of, some of you will remember him, Leon Bloy. And he made a statement that has become famous and has gone down through history when he said... <clears throat> The only sadness, the only failure, the only tragedy in life is not to become a saint. I doubt that our world would see it that way at all. We might think of a lot of other things, but we wouldn't think of that. People I've said before will sometimes say to me, you know, I'm, I'm a basically a good person. I, don't, I haven't killed anybody. I don't steal. Uh, I'm basically a good person. I like people... My response to that is, go to the gospel and show me where our Lord says. Amen, amen, I say to you, be basically a good person. Uh, You aren't going to find it. Our Lord calls us to the dramatic life of sanctity, and so we must respond. And he won't settle for anything less, as in the case of this woman. He didn't just not condemn her. He told her what she must do. But those words of Leon Boy, I think we should engrave on the on the tablets of our heart uh, the only sadness the only failure the only tragedy in life is not to become a saint